All right, get your Bibles. Real quick, dash over to 2 Timothy 2.15. You can really know God. You can really know God. His words can really happen in your life. It's us that decide how much of the Lord that we want. We decide it. Those that seek, find. Those that ask, those that knock. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. Would someone bold and courageous stand up and read 2 Timothy 2.15? Is it 2? Yeah, 2.15 out loud. Okay. Rightly handling, and I think my translation says um, correctly dividing, rightly dividing. That means when we study the Bible, I'm not afraid for you to study the Bible. I want you to. We're not the Pope. The elders here aren't the cardinals of the church, right? I want you to study your Bible. When I preach something... I want you to go in and dig in and see. How many remembers the scripture where Jesus said, you'll do what I do? I, I flew out of my mouth. You know that one? Go dig it. Look at it. Look at the context. The reason I say that, last week I was talking to uh, Talon and I was talking to Gideon. And I was talking about how, I'm going to slow down a little bit now. I was talking about how. When I read the Bible, what I notice, if I, if I read the same book over and over again and I study it, I'm pulling stuff out of there like new all the time. I, I use Matthew for an example. I got a message on mercy out of Matthew, and it ties into my study on Romans. But when I read a book over and over, like <clears throat> I never realized how much of an apocalyptic prophet Jesus was. Anybody know what apocalyptic means? Like judgment, last day. The whole book of Matthew, Jesus, is he's, he's preaching the gospel to the humble, to the meek, but at the same time, he's announcing judgment on the current system. And you read it enough, you'll see it. He's, he's like, and that's why the Pharisees, they're the power elite. They're the ones that are in charge of the church and everything else and the structure, and they're making deals with Rome, and he, they're at war. They're at war, and you see it, and he's announcing judgment and when you see that, then a lot of these parables make a lot more sense. The parable of the vineyard, the workers in the parable, the talents. and It's really between the covenants because the old covenant is being fulfilled and the new is being pressed into. When Jesus dies and is risen from the dead and the Holy Spirit comes, we're in a whole new covenant. That's the covenant of gr 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 grace by faith. And we obtain mercy under that covenant. The old one was a covenant, and honestly, anybody that ever got saved got saved by grace, <laughs> okay, honestly. But they did have a law, uh, they were under a law, and God said, if you do this, I'll do this, and all that. The new covenant is, 
If you believe Jesus, I'll do this. Powerful. Not a license to sin, it's the opposite. It's a license to be righteous. It's a way to get free from your sin. When you realize that Jesus has already set you free, it brings liberty to you. Try to get free, get yourself in bondage. It's so hard. When you believe, what the, when you believe the gospel, it, it, it just brings power into your life. Just start believing it. When I get tempted, I believe the gospel. Just believe the gospel right during the temptation. Nope, Jesus said, I'm free. Jesus said, I'm free. So when you read things hermeneutically or, or in context, and you read them, you really start to see uh, what a book is about. Like there's a message in Galatians, there's a message in Matthew, there's a message in John. So I want to encourage you as you're reading, one of the laws of hermeneutics, which is just rightly dividing the word, is to read things in context. And I want you to read things in context. And so I was reading through Corinthians because I'm doing communion, and this is a communion message. All the other ones were just bonus, whatever you got out of it. But I want to show you, and there, there's different takes on 1 Corinthians 11, and pretty good teachers take different takes. I don't care if you get something different out, not Romans 11, 1 Corinthians 11, if you get something different out of it, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. You can, but, but I'm telling you, contextually, when I read the book of Corinthians over and over again, I can just see a theme from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 16. And I want to talk about, and to save time, I'm going to have to do it this way, but that's why I typed up the notes. I want to talk about what Paul's talking about. Now, I want to say this too. If I ever step on someone's toes in a message, you know, it is not my intention. Marla, I, I want to, you're my friend. I want to so, were you anxious and worried and concerned about your house, all the troubles you had? Yes. Of course, you were. I know, I know you were. So if I preach the message on being anxious and worried and concerned, you might think I'm picking on you, right? You could, but I'm not. It's just if you're anxious, if you have a spirit of lust and I preach against lust, I, I can't help it. I, I'm preaching what the Bible says about it. If you get offended by it, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick people out. I got things that the Lord deals in me. I, love, I had a guy preach this week. He preached on something I needed to hear. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. I need to hear that. And I want to take that in. So I just want to say that. I'm not trying to pick you out. If I hit something that hits, steps on your toes or something, it's not intentional. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to listen to the Lord the best I can and preach what he gives me. Someone say amen. amen. It's true. All right. So the thing I want to bring out as we're going to read... Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, folks, this is to help us. Jeff, I want to help us. That's, that's my heart. That's my motive. That's why I talked about what you say out of your mouth, how important. I want to help you. You need to know that. You need to know what you say or who you believe that Jesus is when it comes out of your mouth has power. The Lord dwells in the praises of his people, and he wants to know what you believe about him So I want to be helpful. So a huge theme in the book of Corinthians is unity and how we are treating each other and how we are treating people. How do we treat people? And especially the brothers. And there is a huge reason we need to listen to this, get it down in our heart, and do your very best never to violate the word on this kind of a bottom line thing here, if you really believe the Bible, 
the Lord, as a believer, lives in you, literally, and it's not metaphorical, the Spirit of God lives in you. Am I embarrassing you? I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I got to embarrass somebody. I pick on Pam too much. I'll just pick on you. The Lord lives in you, literally lives in you. And so how I treat you is how I'm treating the Lord. You ever think about that? I know you have. You guys, it's not that profound, right? But literally, if the Spirit of God... So a, a young lady, uh, I need to be uh, very pure with my sisters, right? Because she's the body of Christ. You got to be very pure as a man or a woman. Or, uh, you know, Sandy, how I speak about you and think about you and even think. The Lord will challenge how you think about He does, how you think about people. Paul is making this point over and over again in the book of Corinthians, and I'm going to do my best to prove it to you. Okay, so you see this point, so you never have to go through this again. You will know if you operate outside of love toward a brother or sister, you need to repent. Go to that person and tell them, I am sorry. I said bad things about you. I repent. I shouldn't have done that. Or I did this to you. I, there's no choice. You got to do it, right? So you learn not to do it because we're literally poisoning the body when we do it. And worse than that, we're going to get into that in 1 Corinthians 11. This is a warning to us. Are you listening to me? Do you believe this is the word of God? This, the word. Amen. So, so pay attention. It's important to you. So Paul jumps out of Corinthians right away. He says, now I plead with you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same things and that there be no divisions among you. Now, that doesn't mean that every bit of doctrine, you have to agree with that. That's not what he's talking about. He means that you're all on the same page. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Do you know in your house, I don't have any authority to come into your house, Joyce, and tell you where to put your furniture. I don't have any authority how to tell you to spend your money. I don't have any authority, Dane, to tell you how to treat Chuck. You might preach the word, but you guys work those things out. I don't have any authority there. If I go to your job and I start telling you how to do your job, you ignore me, right? Go to Plant Fitness, I tell you how to lift weights. Maybe you can listen to me, maybe not, right? But in the church, we have a vision, a direction, the elders set it, and you know, you want to, you want to obey your leaders. That's what the Bible says, obey your leaders. Doesn't it say that? It does say that. So in order to have no divisions among you, you need to listen to uh, the leadership, and that's, where, that's at your job, leadership, in your home. I know the word says the husband is the head of the wife. I know it says that. You can, whatever you want to say about it, it's what it says. There is a spiritual authority at work, at home. Everywhere you go, there's a spiritual authority. I don't cross over into your house because that's your house. I don't go to your job. But in the church, you know, and honestly, I don't want to be the boss anyway. I don't want to be bossy. I don't care. I, I just want things to work good, right? As a husband, I'm, I'm taking too long, guys. I won't get there if I go this slow. But a husband, I listen to Pam more than she listens to me. Wait, that, that didn't sound right. Pam's a pretty good wife, okay? How, let me back that up. Before I get, yeah, before I... She did make banana, banana nut bread, so I got to back this up. 
when we have a disagreement, I think most of the time she's probably right. She's always been smarter than me as far as life, and I, so I probably will do what she says to do. You know what I'm saying? Even though I'm the head of the house, I'm the boss. No, we don't, that's, not what, that's not what that's about. The man's the spiritual leader. You have permission to serve your wife. You are given the golden permission to pray for, to watch out for, and serve your wife. And when you do that, she'll say, honey, what do you want? She'll be eat out of your hand. Hopefully. It's always worked for me. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I need to focus on the message, okay? Folks, it's not about being bossy or being the boss. Any, when I'm at, I was a manager at FedEx, and it, you know, it wasn't about being bossy. or being, But I had leadership. They had to do what I said at the end of the day. But if I had them all mad at me, how much do you think I'd get done? Not very much. Okay. But there is authority, and Paul doesn't want divisions. And look at this in chapter 3, and read the whole thing. But I'm trying to show you contextually and hermeneutically that Paul's making a point through this whole letter. He says, for you are carnal, or you are fleshly, for you have envy, strife, and divisions among you. Aren't you just fleshly? You're just fleshly. Envy, division, strife. Those things prove you're fleshly because in the kingdom, it's not about me. It really isn't about me. And I'll be honest, I'm not as tough, you know, as I want to be in that way. I still get my feelings hurt. I still get my feelings hurt, right? I do. But as a, as a person that walks in the Spirit, I want to be biblical about it. So, you know, I, I just got to learn to say, Lord, this isn't about me. Right? And when I make mistakes, I have to admit it. And tell the person I'm sorry, and I'll do better. I want, I want to do better. But if you have envy, strife, and divisions, you're being fleshly. And you're not going to uh, make it very far in the kingdom, right? Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So anything that pulls you out of that is pulling you into the flesh, and it's going to trip you up. In uh, chapter 4, verse 6, he says, I don't want any of you to be puffed up on behalf of one against another. So in the kingdom of the devil, he's always pitting one person against another. And you got to watch out for politics for that too, because you're always pitting one person against another. And I'm this, I'm Paul, I'm Apollos, I'm this, you know. You know, I, I, I don't know, you know, I'm for Pam, I'm for Brad, you know, whatever. You know, I'm th- since you got to watch out that you're not puffed up. That's, that, that's the kingdom of the devil. The kingdom of God is peace. It's it, trying to promote peace. Okay. Chapter uh, 5, verse 9 says, I wrote to you not to keep company with a sexual, sexual, immoral person. He's telling them, don't defraud one another. He said, don't defraud. So he's talking about, how are you treating people? Some guy was sleeping with his, his stepmother, okay? And he's like, don't, <laughs> that's wrong. How are you treating people? In um, chapter 8, he says, Beware lest your freedom become a stumbling block to someone that's weak. So if you're strong, you should be thinking about the weak person, right? Not yourself. You shouldn't be defending yourself and, you know, look what they did to me. If you're strong, you got to think about that weak person. Like, what's going on with them? You need to pray for them. You need to reach out to them. You got to try because you're the strong one. So you got to go and try to help that person. That's the kingdom of God. What are we talking about? We're talking about the body, not having divisions in the body. Paul said, though I'm a free man, I have made myself the servant of everybody. I'm, I'm your servant. For Christ's sake, I become your servant. 
if I want to be strong. That's the strong person, right? Okay, chapter 10. Just as I please all men in all things, I do not seek my own advantage, but I seek the advantage of the many so that they may be saved. And then Paul says, be like me. What? Seek the advantage of the other person. Try to do what's best for that other person. In every situation, try to seek their advantage. Then he goes on and he's going to take communion. And we'll come back to that real quick before we take communion. Now he says, now in giving instructions about communion, Paul says, I do not praise you. And he's going to tell them why. He's not going to praise them because of how they're treating one another. And folks, you could go on. I, I got to kind of tie this thing up. And he goes on and he talks about division. And we're going to recap that real quick. And then he goes on in the very next chapter. He talks about the body in chapter 12. He's talking about the body. Can you see the hermeneutical, the thing that Paul's getting at through the whole book, how we treat one another, how we uh, deal with offenses, uh, whether there's divisions in the body. The whole book is about that, how we're treating one another. And he, and, he, and he talks about the body. And I've talked about this many times. You have a gift for this body. And if you are not using your gift in this body, you're depriving us of your gift. We all need one another. I've used Evelyn as, as an example many times. You know, Evelyn has certain gifts in her, healing and other things, that if she's not here uh, putting in her gift into the body, the body's going to be in trouble. We need everybody in the body. One person is not the body. It's everybody. So if one person gets wounded, and God knows people do, it hurts the body. So the whole message of this and, 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 and this context of the communion which we're going to read he's talking about how we're treating the body of christ and then he talks about gifting and then chapter 13 and i can't even go on further after that but in chapter 13 he says here's the best way walk in love and he tells you exactly so he didn't change the subject y'all getting that with me i know i'm not screaming and shouting here but you get it paul did not change the subject He's still talking about how we treat one another. He's still talking about the body. And he tells us we should be walking in love toward one another. Kind, gentle, right? Long-suffering. Boom. Okay. And, and he even ends the, in chapter 16, he even ends the, the book. And he's still talking about how we're treating one another. Now, now go to chapter 11 before communion. We're taking communion this morning. I'll start with verse, um, yeah, verse 20. Therefore, when you meet together, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? For in your eating, one takes his own supper first, and another person is hungry. And another one is drunk, or a drunk, New York American Standard says, do you guys see that? Do you see the context, what Paul's doing? Now he's talking about communion, and they're not discerning the body. I know some people take healing out of this, and there is some healing in this thing, but if you look at the context of the whole book, discerning the body is discerning the body of Christ. Just read the context of it. What? Do you not help? have houses in which to eat and drink, or do you despise the church of God? Or do you shame those that have nothing? 
what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I will praise you not. And I'm not even talking about us. This is a teaching for us to remember. For I received of the Lord Jesus Christ what I also delivered to you in the night that the Lord was betrayed. The night Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you do it, you eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let us examine ourselves and let him eat the bread and drink the cup. Now I'm saying, and I know other people take different things out, and maybe there is other things here. I'm going to read to but he's talking about discerning the body. Jesus said, if someone had offense against you, he didn't even say if you were guilty. He said, if they had offense against with you, and you go to the altar, you should lay your gift down at the altar and go try to be reconciled to that person. Jesus loves your enemies. Did you know that? He loves your enemies. He loves my enemies. He loves them. And he wants them to be reconciled. Didn't even say you were the one that was wrong. Maybe they did. It doesn't matter. He says, put your gift down and go be reconciled. He wants the body to be every. Doesn't the word say, as much as in you is, live peaceably with all men. So we need to do everything we can to try to reconcile that person. Even if we didn't do anything wrong, it should be our heart to want to see that person saved. I want to be like Jesus. If you don't, he says, examine the body. You're stuffing your mouth. You're getting drunk. You're not walking in love. You're puffed up. You're not discerning the body. <clears throat> and, he's, and he even goes on, just to kind of prove it. He says, for he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment on himself, because he does not judge the body rightly. And for this reason, many are weak and sick, and other people die, fall asleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. For when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. When we don't treat each other right, we can open our door to the devil in our life. I'm not saying God's making you sick. I'm saying you can open the door to the devil in your life if you don't treat people right. I've heard of prophets being warned, said if you... I can tell you the prophets, I, I won't, say if you don't repent, the Lord's going to take you out. And they were taken out because they didn't treat the body right. They didn't treat people right. And God removed them. They were mean. Okay. So my brothers, when you come together to eat, how is he wrapping this teaching up? Man, Lord, help me, Jesus. Um, he says, wait for one another. So he's going back to his, what he's talking about the whole time, how you're discerning the body, how you're treating one another. If anyone is hungry, eat at home. When you come together, don't come together for judgment. Why? Because you're not waiting. Eat at home. Don't come into judgment because of how you're treating one another. Do you see it? It's called hermeneutics. It's called rightly dividing the word. And there is some stuff about healing, and we can discern Jesus' body for healing. I don't argue that. But if I look at it contextually, 
When we don't treat each other right, we can open the door, we can give place to the devil. And we don't want to do that. So before you take communion, you leave your gift at the altar and you make peace with your brother. I encourage you, read, and then he goes on, talks about the body more in chapter 12, and he talks about love in chapter 13, and he talks about it again in chapter 14. That's, that's the point Paul's making. And I think it's clear as a bell. So if you have ought in your heart towards someone, before you take communion, you should leave your communion at the door and go make peace with that person. I don't think you're examining, did I sin or didn't I sin, and you know, all, all of that, you know, obviously. But if you have ought against somebody, you should drop it right there and go make peace with them. Say, hey, I'm sorry, you know. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. I put the scripture down. That's what Jesus said. So we're going to take communion. And I honestly don't know of anybody in here that has ought against anybody. I don't. But that doesn't mean you don't. Right? Maybe it's family members, you know, in the body. Honestly, before you, before you come to the altar, that's what we need to deal with. All right, I want the elders to come forward, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass out communion, and we're going to do what we did about three months ago, whatever. We're going to break into small groups. You know, it's interesting that James 5, it just comes to me, says, confess your sins to one another so that you might be, what? Healed. Healed. 